This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Let's get to the Ravens' next opponent here, and that would be the Seattle Seahawks. It's a very interesting team, man. Again, not not the Legion of Boom of old, you know, right, right. The 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 Russell Wilson, Marshawn Lynch, Seattle Seahawks, you know, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, like those guys, but a very interesting team nonetheless, who's building something low key kind of special. That, I, that I'm really interested in. First of all, I loved the Seahawks getting my guy, two guys in the first round that I was a huge, huge fan of. And both of them are playing well as rookies. That would be Devin Witherspoon and Jackson Smith and Jigba, who is, for, for my money, Jackson Smith and Jigba was the best receiver in the draft. I had him even a little bit above Zay Flowers, not like way above oh, wow. Zay Flowers, but I had them in a similar realm. But Jackson Smith and Jigba's production in college was just absolutely stupid. Ohio his, State here, right? Yeah, his 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 route running, his savvy, his quickness, just all of that, just just a plus, right? Yeah. And Devin Witherspoon, look, and again, this is coming from a guy who was with the you know the the you know New England Patriots, you know, reporting on the draft and all that stuff, and everybody was like, oh, the Patriots have to get a cornerback, like they have to. That's their biggest position of need, and I'm like, they do not have to get a cornerback and i'm not one of those people that thinks you have to get a certain position of need i think you just need to get a good football player that should be that should be the number one thing on your list get a good football player who's going to turn the tide for you but i was just like now if there's one cornerback that you if you ask me if i want him above all the others it's devin witherspoon because the the coverage skills are one thing and some people would say "Eh, he's not really a true outside corner i think he's kind of you know, proven a little bit of that wrong. He's, a, he's playing really well right now. And he can, and right. he can play inside too. He can really kind of play wherever you want, but mm-hmm. it's not just the covered skills. He hits like a demon. Like he, he, he is a, he's a menace. He's an absolute freaking menace. I mean, I think that there's going to be at least one point in this upcoming game where a wide receiver catches the ball in the flat or catches the ball in a short route and Witherspoon is going to light them up hmm. and have them ha- hit hit them in a way that's going to have them waking up on Tuesday feeling it. Well, let's hope it's not Zay Flowers. We will need him to have a welcome to the NFL moment. No, keep keep that man away from Zay Flowers. You know, I don't I don't I don't want I don't want to see an, I don't want to see none of Zay Flowers getting hit by Devin Witherspoon because he's malicious. Like there there are there there were college scouting reports. <laughs> you got to love this. There are college scouting reports about Devin Witherspoon mm-hmm. where Big Ten coaches, because you're coming out of Illinois, Big Ten coaches would be like, I, we wouldn't throw the ball in the flat. 
like we we would tear up those plays in the playbook and and just not do them when we knew that he was going to be like on a specific side because right. we, we he was going to get a dude killed you know, like he was, he was going to absolutely wreck somebody. And, and you, and some coaches just anonymously being like, man, I am so glad that guy is gone. I never want to see him ever again. Oh, because wow. again, man, you gotta look back at some of these, these hits that, that he would be putting on people and in the run game, just coming down. Like, he's, he's not that big. He's like five ten, five eleven, or whatever it is. I'm like 190 yeah. pounds. He's not that big, but he comes downhill and smacks you like he's a safety. Hmm. You're gonna like you're gonna like this kid. Go go watch some Devin Witherspoon, bro. I'm gonna go watch him as soon as we get off this podcast. This first thing I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go do my research on that kid. Yes, go watch this man. And obviously, Jackson Smith and Jigby's been coming on a little bit. Game winning touchdown last week. They're mm-hmm. starting to get him a little bit more involved. And and again. That's going to be really intriguing, man, because I think that, you know, with the with the Ravens playing defense as well as they are and getting pressure like they are, it could obviously be a nice a nice day for for that for that defensive front. But Seahawks got three good receivers, man. DK Metcalf was obviously one of the best receivers in the league, been one of the best receivers in the league since he showed up. Tyler Lockett, one of the best number two receivers in the league, consistent, Consistent. always, always. Could be a number one for somebody, legitimate number one for somebody else. Absolutely. And then Jackson Smith and Jigba, your rookie, is your number three, and you get to got to let him come on slowly and get his targets, feast in the middle of the field, eat out of the slot. That's tough. They they've got they've got some real weapons on that offense, and then they've got a couple of young running backs that are nice too. Kenneth Walker, Zach Charbonnet. I mean, look, I, I think I think their offensive skill positions are fun to watch. And Geno Smith is just a hell of a story, man. Like they people left him for dead. They threw him out with the right. bathwater. They said that he was trash. Failed with the Jets. You know, didn't do nothing for the Giants. You know what? Whatever. He's just a journeyman. Pete Carroll gave this dude a shot and he's flourishing and, yeah. and I love it. You love to see it. He's, he's the type of player I'm always talking about all the time. Kyrie, when I'm telling I try to explain to people like how important having your confidence is to be great in this, in this league. When you get to these teams and you get with certain coaches and they don't really, you're not really their guy because the front office brought you in and the front office thought you was this great quarterback and but the OC of your team didn't like you and he didn't want you he wanted this other guy now he ended up with you and now you come in and he's he's giving you that fake love like he cares about you and you're his guy when you was never his guy you end up losing your confidence through the process because this guy ain't for real and he ain't treating you the way you probably probably should be getting treated because you've been that dope your whole life and then all of a sudden you start not to feel that you know you start to feel like you're not as good as you thought you were because this coach isn't willing to make his offense around you and he's not you know conforming the offense and shaping the offense around your strengths and you end up you end up making some mistakes early on and your your confidence started to dwindle a little bit and go away a little bit and more and more and more over time and then you get somebody like Pete Carroll that cares that cares for you and loves you and he's looking for somebody to wrap his arms around and love and then you come in and you start to feel that love again like you had in college. And all of a sudden you start to get a little bits of confidence back over time. And then that's this is that's you know, Geno Smith is my my feel good story of the year for me. 
I mean, the last couple of years. I mean, he, yeah. he started out there last year. Yeah. He, he, had, he had that famous quote, you know, they they like, you know, they wrote me off, but wrote I me right off and I am right back. Right. And I mean, that's there are so many guys in the NFL you want to have that kind of story. And you know what? Yeah. I have a feeling that at the end of the season or you know, even throughout the season, you and I are going to have this kind of conversation about our guy, Justin Fields, because I got some I got some thoughts about the way that he's being treated. He's, he's a prime example of what I'm talking about right now. That's how Gino got treated when he came in the league. Everybody was against him and saying, you know, bad, even though he played well. And if you start comparing their stats, like you start comparing Justin Fields' first 10 games or 16 games against somebody else that started that would end up being great, I promise you his ain't far off. I Not mean, off. I just, I don't know. I don't know if you, if you watched that game the other night the Sunday night game and, mm-hmm. and you heard the broadcast and the way they were talking about this. And again, I got nothing against Tyson Bajant, you know, the undrafted, you know, rookie, you know, yeah. out of division two is a, is a great story. It's a great it story. You no know, kid yeah, coming in. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. But the way yeah. they were talking about this man and being like this guy, like, you know, Justin Fields needs to be watching this. It's like, I, I wrote about it. Um, you know, because I, I do a little I do a little writing on the side and I wrote about how how just disgraceful that sounded. You had a dude who put up historic numbers last year. He was the only reason your team was relevant. Yeah. And there are any there are actually a number like people people like to joke about about fields, but there are a lot of numbers that show that he's improved as a passer this year. His problem is not that he's a bad passer, his problem is he needs to throw the ball more. And I think that's a comfort thing. Yeah. It's a comfort thing because we don't have an offensive line either, do we? I mean, they got they got half an offensive line. They they have a right side of the offensive line that works, and basically everybody else from the center on down to the left side sucks. So yeah. that's in that's a problem. That's a major problem. Yeah, um, he's running for his life. But I think like that's another thing, man. That it's we it kills me, man. The, the way that we that we talk sometimes about quarterbacks and the way that we write them off and the way yeah. that we're just like oh you should just overcome all that stuff like either you're gonna be good or or you know or you're not and I feel yeah. like I'm seeing more and more as I watch these kids that that's really not always the case I mean there are some prospects who I just look at like I got I I'm not gonna lie I didn't love Zach Wilson as the, the second overall pick a couple years ago. I, I just, I, I didn't, I didn't see it. It felt like it was a lot of just out of structure and he could not play in structure. And I feel like it's been a lot of that in the NFL. If you make him play in structure, he, he just, he struggles really badly with it. Um, Trey Lance. I mean, mm-hmm. I saw the skills. I saw, I saw the potential, but the guy just had not played enough football and I didn't love him getting taken third overall. And he's he's a backup now, and, and he's he's got he's still so young though he's still so young. You can't write the story on that kid's career yet. You can't. And 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 I, I feel like we we want to do that so quickly. Yeah. And I remember listening to Kurt Warner the other day on uh, on Chicago's sports radio because he was kind of talking about the whole Justin Fields Tyson Bajant thing. And he was talking about what it was like for him to go to Arizona, uh, you know, and he, he got there and then Ken Wisenhunt came there after that. And him and Ken Wisenhunt didn't quite see eye to eye on like, 
okay, mm -hmm. what works best for me? What works best for this offense? Like, I don't think the scheme quite fits and they had to find a right. balance. You know what I mean? So I, from your perspective, man, like, have you, how have you seen that situation unfold where you where the offensive coordinator, cause you talked about all the offensive coordinators you had. How often yeah. did you see that being like, I don't know that this is fitting, man. We got to find a, a balance here of what actually works versus what you feel comfortable with, what you, what you want to do. I, I can't say, I think the biggest issue is you, sometimes you get players that don't quite fit into your offensive scheme and that offensive scheme isn't what's best for him. I mean, let's, let's look at our home situation. For example, you know, the first what four years of Lamar career, four or five years of his career, you know, he's in that running offense where only he only gets to throw the ball to the tight ends. And people yeah. forgot all the work that he did in Louisville where he threw the ball to the receivers all the time and won the Heisman and, you know, from his legs and his arms and how talented of a passer that he was in Louisville and how he was poised in the pocket and threw the ball all over the field back then. And all they got used to was us running the ball through Greg Roman's offense and Lamar becoming this quarterback slash running back or running back slash quarterback type player. And we we forgot like how talented his arm strength and his his flip of the wrist was, you know. Yeah. Now you get a you get Munkin in, and now he's spreading the offense out. And he's letting him throw the ball all over the field, and then you starting to see him throw the ball and mature as a passer. And the crazy thing, people were talking about his passer rating the week before against Detroit, and he's had that passer rating in even in Greg Roman's offense, yeah. he had that passer rating two or three games already before but you know it, he's not like he's never done that before right right it's like it's not it's not like it's something new you know he he does that all the freaking time he would probably do it more if he got an opportunity to do it more you know but the schemes are so important man i i, I, I gotta run with the coaches call if the coaches tell me i gotta run the ball i gotta run the ball if the coaches tell me to hand the ball off i gotta hand the ball off if the coaches tell me to throw the ball and the, and the players designed to go to these guys i gotta get the ball to those guys and that's what people kind of fail to realize most of the time these guys are not calling the plays you know at the line of scrimmage like you would in flag football or you know seven yeah. on seven where you just walk up there and say all right i see i'm in cover two we're gonna check off to this and check off to that and cover three and one and cover zero they're calling what they're they're running what they're supposed to run because the oc gave them the play and there's the hierarchy of how this stuff goes and everybody knows how the chain command works when you at work you got your boss you got the owner of the company then you got the manager of the company then you got your supervisor and then it's you, you yeah. know, and then you got, you got to listen to everybody before you, you can't make your own decisions because people are telling you what to do. So that's how quarterback is too. Even though he, he's handing down those plays to the rest of the team. Somebody's putting that bug in his ear and telling them exactly what to call before the play every single, every single play. So, you know, I, I hate the fact that there's no bend and flex in offensive schemes, depending on what players you have yeah. and what player types you have. And then, you know, I, you know, I know, I know there's a Ravens podcast. One thing about Mike Tomlin that I've always respected yeah. is that, you know, I remember there's an interview that he, that he did. I want to say it was with Ryan Clark, where basically he was like, look, man, if a player fails, that's on the coach. Okay. Yeah. Cause you didn't get enough out of the player. Right. right. And cause I, cause I feel like sometimes like people, you know, coaches will get in the situation. Well, if you had just done what I told you, then we'd be fine. Right. And I feel like you see a lot of that in this league. And, you know, I'm curious to your kind of your, your thoughts on that, because like you said, right, it's like the coaches tell you to do something. You're trying to go out and execute it. But sometimes you're trying to go out and execute this play. And you're like, fuck, man, like, can I like, can I make that block? Like, it, it, it's like that, that's going to be really difficult, you know, to, to like get over there and do that. Or like, man, like, 
I don't really like this route is not really like my strong point or like this throw. Like, I don't really trust this route combination. I don't really like this look, but I got to do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This league is a funny league, man. Like you, I can remember my rookie year, my first two years in the league and my special teams coordinator was, was Mike Westhoff, this Italian guy, Sicilian, Italian, you know, hardcore accent, you know, but he was just such a cool white guy, but so stern and so brash and harsh all at the same time. And he loved you if you did what, what you were supposed to do. And and if you, you didn't do what you were supposed to do, he, he you know, you, you was dead to him pretty much. He was dead to him. You know, you, you know, forget about it. You're dead to me. You know, like, yeah. Um, and he would literally look you in your eyes. Hey, you either do what I tell you to do or you're going to find yourself on a plane, headed home, you know, really quick. So you learned really, really fast. You got brainwashed quick. Like, do everything this man is telling me to do. Otherwise, I'm going to find myself on the first plane back to the ATL, you know. So, and it's, it's like that throughout this entire league. And you can't be mad at the coaches for it because they're brainwashed to to know that if you can't get your players to listen to you and do what you ask them to do, then you're not the coach that we want to have on the staff. Those guys lose their jobs. They got wives. They got kids they have to feed. So you learn over time, they get conditioned that I have to have players listen to exactly what I'm telling them to do scheme-wise because if they make a mistake, then it falls back on me. You know, so there's it's, it's a double-edged sword, you know, but you have yeah. to earn that trust. You really do, man. You have to earn that trust. You know, it's, it's not very many OCs that's going to put the ball in the quarterback hand and say, you call the play, you know, because yeah. his job is on the line if he did that. You know, yeah. so he has to he has to come up with a legitimate excuse why I'm letting Tom Brady call these plays and check off at the line of scrimmage and make these play calls because he's earned it. He's put in the hours of work with me. He knows his offense just as good as I know it, and he's that good of a quarterback and he makes great decisions. And after we did the analytics on Tom Brady, if I give him a chance to make this decision on third down and short, he's going to make the right decision 100% of the time, and that's why I put the ball in Tom's hand and let Tom make his own call. You know, so Lamar has to be that same type of guy if he wants that. He has to put in the time and the energy. And not saying that he's not putting it in because he could be putting it in at home. The problem is they can't see what you're doing at home. Even though they could look on and say, hey, he was watching film for an hour last night and it's showing up on my computer. You know, they still don't – he don't get that one-on-one time that you have when you have the when you're with the OC 24 hours a day every day. And a lot of times you got to make that sacrifice. And you have no life when you play this game. This game is all about – taking every second and every minute of your time up, you know, so you have to keep continue to pour into this game while you can. And you, when you really think about it overall, it's not a bad investment. You know, it's really not a bad investment. If you really take the time and pour everything you can into that, into this, into this sport, it'll pour more back into you, you know, financially than, than any other job that you can get coming out of college, you know? So it's a great opportunity to be, to put your family in a situation where you could be well off for a long time. So as screwed up as this league is, it's still also a blessing you know, to be able to have the opportunity to go do what we do every single day. And it's like, it's, 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 it's a blessing with, I mean, you know, a double-edged sword to it. And, it and I think, and, and there's a reason that it's so hard to play in the league, even as long, as long as you did, man. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, it, not everybody can, can survive that grind day in day out not everybody has the talent you know to 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 do it i mean i, I say i mean shit i shouldn't even say that everybody's got the talent we talked about this right but you know there's a certain amount of physical ability you got to have there's a certain amount of mental toughness you got to have 
especially if you're one of those guys who's fighting for a roster spot every single time. Absolutely. Right. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, the Tom Brady's, the Aaron Rodgers, and the Peyton Mannings. I mean, once, I mean, those guys, when they've been in the league for 10, 15 years, then yeah, you can be your own offensive coordinator if you want. And if you're that good, and as you said, you execute at that high of a level, right? Because there are backups that have been in the league 10, 15 years, but you're not telling them to call their own plays, you know? And you're and you're not you're not letting them run the offense in that way, but you will let Peyton Manning do it, or Tom Brady do it, or Aaron Rodgers do it, or eventually Patrick Mahomes do it when when it's when it's that point, because, well, they're some of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, you know, and so and so you and so you trust them to do it, and you know I think that you know it'd be be really interesting to see as Lamar develops in his career. He gets a decade down the road or longer down the road. And his evolution as a player, as a passer continues. If he kind of gets to that point where it's like, okay, look, it's time for Lamar to cook, you know? And it's like, we have an offensive coordinator. We got a play caller. You know, we got a quarterback. We got, we got all this stuff. But in the end, when it's time for this man to do his thing, we're going to let him do his thing. So let's, let's wrap this up then. What, What do you see happening? Seahawks against the Ravens. I mean, yeah, right. I, already, yeah, right. I, already know, I already know what, what you think the outcome of the game is going to be, but I want to know score. I want to know how you think it's going to look. Well, I, I think it's going to be a tough game for sure. I think the Seahawks defense is stacked and they play very, they play very well. We're also the number one defense in the league again right now. So when we, when we get back in that number one, number two spot, it's hard to knock us off that spot because we take pride in being there at the top. You know, so I think we're going to play well defensively. So I'm going to say the Seahawks won't score on our defense no more than – I'm going to say two touchdowns, you know, and that's 14 points. I don't care how they come. That's field goals, everything. I'm going to give them 16, put it like that, 16. And I'm, I believe wholeheartedly in our offense, our offense is going to score 21. And I'm saying we're going to pick up another touchdown from from special teams or defense this week. I feel like it's time for the defense to start putting some points on the board. And I, I feel I just feel I got an itch with block point or kickoff return for a touchdown. So I'm going to say the Ravens are going to score 28, 28 points to 16 to the Seahawks, and the Ravens win this game. There we go. What do you I think, feel, Kyrie? Don't feel, don't don't, don't, like don't try to get pretty, away from this. No, I feel like that's pretty reasonable. I think okay. I think we're going to see something on the order of like 24 to 17. I think that the Seahawks are. They, they've they've got they've they've got enough firepower to make this interesting, but I think that they do the rate the Ravens are so stacked defensively. They are playing such good football, and I think that front is gonna is gonna make things tough. In, in in terms of not letting the Seahawks be able to get the downfield stuff that they usually like to do, and obviously the secondary is really good. So I think I think that's gonna that's gonna make things difficult. And then offensively, look this. Seattle's the the defensive front they could put out there with Leonard Williams could be could be very good. And so I think it's going to be a little bit more about the passing game to get things done. But the other weapon that you have, you know, if if the run game, if the traditional run game is struggling, you've got the Lamar Jackson in your pocket and, you know, you've got and and you and you've got Mark Andrews in addition to Odell Beckham Jr. and Zay Flowers. So it just feels like there's so much versatility and so many different ways the Ravens can beat you. And it looks like, you know, they're, they're starting to find their way towards, okay, like, 
even even if things are faltering a little bit, we just have so much that we can lean on. If Lamar's yeah. not having you know the most amazing day passing, all right, Gus Edwards, three touchdowns, right? Or right. hey, the running game isn't quite working the way we want it to. Lamar, air it out. Or you could have a Lions game and all of it's working. You know what I mean? Right. So I think that I could see a 24-17 grinded out game against the Seahawks, and the but the Ravens come out on top. It's going to be an interesting game, man. I mean, you look at their wide receiver core with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and Jackson Smith and Jigba, and then you go on our side, and then you got Zay Flowers and OBJ and Mark Andrews and, you know, um, Nelson Aguilar, and you got these guys, and you like, I don't know who got the better wide receiver core. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, they loaded, we loaded. Good. I think DK Metcalf is, the, is their X, X factor if he get pissed off, but if and only if he gets pissed off and then Geno Smith, they got him locked in to try to dominate this game. And I think, I think him and the Marlon Humphreys matchup, I, I would like to see, you know, I would like oh, to yeah. see that. I, I mean, like look, that. everybody, everybody wants to see the mano a mano, your best on, 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 you know, our best. Mm-hmm. I want I want to see that matchup as well. And you know, look, DK Metcalf, one of the fastest, most physical receivers in the league. That's going to be a tough cover for anybody because you could just put it, it up in his general vicinity. He can find a way to come down with it, even if it's not the best ball. Right. He's a dog. Yes. Yeah. He, he is he's a he's a big dog. You know yeah. what I mean? But then again, Ravens got a lot of big dogs on their team too. And as you know, we believe in the Ravens. We believe that the Ravens are going to beat the Seahawks this week. And we believe in the Ravens to continue ruling the AFC North. I'm Kyrie Thompson. That's Daniel Wilcox. Until next time.
This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.